Welcome back, trendsetters, to another podcast of Ag Watchers. We've got a guest today, uh, the fabulous uh, Trent Osmond from uh, uh, Western Union, uh, to talk about currencies with us. Um, thanks, but before mate. We had that, thanks, <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Um, before we uh, go to all the uh, intricacies of the currency market, though, Andrew will uh, have a quick rundown of um, what's happening in uh, grains and livestock. Do you want to kick off with uh, exciting things in the grain space? Yeah, the week started uh, on on a good note uh, for for Australia to an extent, and and that's we'll, we'll go into why it's I say an extent. Uh, we uh, we had a pretty a big tender win. Australia sold seven hundred odd thousand tons of barley into Saudi Arabia, and I, I've been talking about it for a long time, and everyone's been talking about it really. Is the fact that because we've lost China we need to get as much volume as possible into Saudi Arabia to, to replace that. Uh, and yes, we've won the first tender of uh, 2021. Uh, it was, the good thing about it was that it was a higher price than the previous tender. So it's about 320 Aussie dollar uh, SIF uh, Saudi ports, which is technical term for delivered Saudi ports. And so it's, yeah, it's good news. It's sort of a little bit bittersweet to an extent though, Matt, because we were talking about this, is that it's all very well getting that business on the books. But the only reason we're getting on the books is because we're cheap. Yeah, that's, and, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, if you're cheap, you're cheap, you get more success getting the business well, done. But um, I think, and I think in longer term for markets, it's a bit like the livestock. It's not great being the most expensive in the world long term mm. it's not great being the cheapest either mm. uh, uh, because it's not sustainable either way yeah so so yeah and, and look obviously china's buying its barley from elsewhere and it's coming from france and ukraine canada and even even a little bit from the argentinians mm. we well, used to have a we used to have a big trade with uh, barley into the saudi arabia though previously didn't we and that, that kind of switched out into China more recently. And so now we're kind of going back to the Saudis. Well, is that... we, 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 we stood a lot into Saudi, uh, but then, you know, China was the best place to send it, had the best prices. And that's what we're seeing now is we're seeing, if we look at French prices of barley, it's at a substantial premium to, to Aussie prices of, of barley. Mm. And, and the, uh, Saudi, the Saudis would have been sticking it down the throats of sheep. Whereas the Chinese are making it in beer and that, um, what do they call it? Beiju or something, the, the grain wine thing or whatever, spirit. Soshu, Beiju and, and yeah. beer. But also yeah. they, they're still using it for feed as well. Yeah, but, I, I, but, uh, but, yeah. but what, what we're going to see now is we're going to see, you know, vessels of French barley passing Australian vessels going the opposite way <laughs> and getting a premium to go to China versus the closer relation, which is, uh, which is Saudi. Where's um where's the with all that like that kind of international freight like so we're going further and they're going further, um and and to in, in each other's kind of backyards kind of, um where's the Baltic dry sitting at the moment because that if you know that must be heading down is it or what? Yeah, Baltic dry had a bit a bit of a big rise in October, and yeah, it's it's crashed back again uh, into November, but looking at if you look at the freight rates, you know you're talking. In US dollar terms, Trent can probably convert this in the top of his head, but oh, US, dollar, US dollar terms, it's 40 US dollars from France to China versus $20 from, from Australia to China. 
give or take, you know, mm. with the vagaries of things. Mm. Uh, and on top of that, so they're paying more, China's paying more freight to get it to, to their home, but they're also paying a substantial premium just for the actual feed at port mm. in France. Mm. So, but it'd be what, $40 for the actual, you're saying that's the freight costs plus another $80 for currency exchange fees and all that kind of stuff, unless you're doing it through Western Union, which they'd probably have good prices, I would have thought. They're, they're, they're probably like 120 or something. <laughs> Um, but he's not bought. He's not bought. <laughs> no, he's on mute. Oh, is he? <laughs> but yeah, so on on so on the livestock. That's basically the summary of of of, yeah. of the barley. It's we've got trade. It's cheap. We'll continue to get trade provided we're cheap. Uh, probably the only interesting, the more interesting thing about it now is that we've gone from a tender system, and in the future it was going to a private system where private buyers import into Saudi Arabia. Mm. So it's, look, we've got to, if, we're, if we're still going to have big stockpiles at the end of the year anyway. Mm. Okay. So. Well, uh, Andrew, want to kind of pick your brain on one of the points you mentioned there, you know, barreled up by Matt potentially, but um, on the Baltic dry, some of the, some of the comms that we have been hearing from, from, uh, from our cropping clients is that, you know, it's, you know, you kind of two themes of, you know, can I get my product there and can I get paid? Like the logistics side of things is proving to be a bit of a challenge, I guess, with our imports down and, you know, trying to get that return vessel out. Is it, you know, any, any risk in that for this, you know, first shipment into Saudi or the, or the first contract, contract one for uh, 2021? No, I, I, I doubt it. They're not for, not for bulk. Bulk doesn't seem to actually be that affected. Look, we've had a few odd ships of iron ore with, you know, crew with COVID and they've been quarantined and whatnot. But generally, grain cargoes haven't really been massively impacted. Containers, the containers is a bigger issue. And it's probably largely actually trying to get empty containers, which is the actual issue. And like one of the issues at the moment is that we've got a very short window to get lentils to India without getting hit with a tariff. Uh, so from basically the start of November to the end of December, which actually doesn't leave that much time to clean those lentils, to grade them, stick them in a box, send them to Melbourne, get that container ship to go to Melbourne or Singapore, from Singapore to Mumbai or wherever else. And probably a year ago, probably wouldn't have been as big an issue, but everything's at the skin of skin of the teeth at the moment. So, so Matt, slaughtering females, which is... <laughs> But the female slaughter rate, what's the, uh, you wrote an article about that. Yeah, look, it was surprising. So the um, ABS, we were used to report female slaughter ratios, which is basically how many female slaughter cattle are being slaughtered as a proportion of total slaughter. And it gives us an indication as to whether the herd's in rebuild or liquidation. Uh, it's one of the best inca- indicators for that. Um, and so it was being reported monthly, but at the end of, July, I think it was, the ABS have decided to report quarterly. So we've been waiting uh, for the last few months to see, you know, what's been going on. And this, my suspicion was that we were in rebuild now, which you need to be, that ratio needs to be below 47% across the nation to be in rebuild. Uh, so I ran the numbers just yesterday and it's um, surprisingly, it's still, we're still in liquidation. The uh, September quarter came in at 53% which is significantly above, you know, that threshold of 47. Uh, and to put it into context, 
last year was the highest year we saw female slaughter ratio go to and it went to 56. Uh, prior to that was um, around 52 uh, and a half. Um, and so that, you know, that, that, that 53 is, is right up there with, you know, one of the highest ones. So we're still well, well entrenched in, in destocking territory, which is surprising given the restocker activity we're seeing with premiums. So ABS have changed it to quarterly. Do you reckon that's going to be a sign of reduced data availability and data access by these government agencies? Uh, well, it's going against the trend, really, because um, you look at the likes of ABES and others that they they kind of got a mandate there or, or a directive, I guess, uh, to make data more accessible. Uh, I'm not sure whether this was just a decision you know, with COVID and everything, but it seems as like this is going to be a long-term change that they've just decided to stop reporting monthly and to roll it in with the livestock, uh, other livestock reporting they do quarterly. Uh, yeah, so whether it's a cost-cutting measure or they just don't see the need to report it that frequently. But, I mean, look... The reality is it's probably only you that was reading it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think there particularly might be more than that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still reporting it on a quarterly basis, so that's better than nothing. But... You know, when you get, you know, it's like when you get used to a certain type of data, uh, you know, it's nice to have that con continuity of, of the same type of data so you can kind of compare like for like through the you know, seasons and stuff. Uh, and it just means now, it's, you know, we've got to wait every three months before we can, and it's, and it's quite lagged as well because we've got the report came out or the data came out for November or in November, but it's looking back to the September quarter. So it's going to be a significant lag now. But I suspect we're going to, um, we're going to see by the end of the year, I guess, when the, when the next quarter gets reported, uh, we'll be able to see what's going on. Uh, and I, I suspect we will be in herd rebuild because, you know, just by the nature of the restocker activity we're seeing, it's, it's got to be pretty close. Uh, but I would have thought we would have been there by now. Now, in terms of pricing for markets, cattle markets, young cattle at record levels, Eki around that 8.30 cent level has been ho holding there for a while. Uh, you know, it's kind of had a bit of a kick up from 800 to there and then it's kind of stopped again. So, but if you look at what's going on with heavy steers, that's pretty much holding firm at historically high levels, but it's got limited room to move up. And without the heavy steer going up, then you're probably thinking that young cattle can't move too much higher either. Um, you know, but it's not going to come off in a hurry with how slaughter and, and supply is. So I think it's just sideways at very historically high prices are going to be set to continue for the rest of this year and into next year. Um, sheep markets um, hanging in reasonably well, or lamb markets, I should say, hanging in reasonably well, given we're starting to see some big numbers come through Victoria through November for the spring flush, but um, they're holding up relatively well also. I think we've seen the low for the lamb market. I think I said that a couple of weeks back already. Um, but we might still see a little bit of price pressure, but I don't think we're going to see it back to what we saw, those lows through winter. I think we've, we're done with that. Um, but yeah, that has been too exciting in those markets price-wise. It's been more exciting in terms of the data and what's been happening overseas with trade and stuff. So what's been happening overseas? So that's a bit of a segue. Into FX. Beautiful. Into, into FX. If you're doing something overseas, then FX is the thing. Trent, what are you up to? You've, this, could, is, this, this, is before, your, before, this is your third time on the podcast. Yeah, before Trent, you're the, you're the most regular. You guys running. Uh, <laughs> but before we start there, maybe we could quick, quickly do a, a mid-podcast mid, uh, advert for Royce and Union before we talk to Trent. 
Oh, hello. This is <laughs> Western Union. Uh, if you need to transfer a currency overseas, you need to go with the guys at Western Union. They're fabulous and good-looking also. Trent, go. And I believe they've got an app. Beautiful. Thank God this. Uh, thank God this is a podcast, not a Zoom with uh, the entire army. That's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're winning many votes that way. But yes, third time. Uh, thank you very much for having me again. Always a lot of fun. Uh, must, uh, must be offering some, free must be, points or something with that. But, yeah. must, must be something wrong with you, Trent, because most people say never again. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that after our last one, mate. But um, you know, hopefully he will he, uh, rectify those proceedings. No, I'm only joking. I loved it. Yeah, so. Obviously, plenty of data in that FX geopolitics type of stuff. Apparently, there's a new president, you know, based on, you know, whether whether that's not confirmed yet, technically, until mm. January. How did the, uh, how, so the markets, uh, in terms of the reaction, it, it was reasonably, they took it pretty well, wasn't it, broadly speaking? Uh, the, I mean, the Biden was, was the favourite all the way through, but then it was as close as what it was. That didn't give too much of a hiccup to the currency markets, did it? No, not, not, no, look, it's, yeah, one of the, you know, looking back, I guess it's obviously one thing that's dominated markets has, has been the US election. I guess, you know, leading into it, um, you know, Aussie, Aussie US around 74 and then, um, you know, as the, the kind of build up and, um, you know, the campaign trail, I guess, wrapped up and, and into election day, you know, Aussie did trade down to, you know, around that 70 cent mark, um, just basically on the uncertainty, the unknown, um, you know, a bit of risk off, um, you know, moving the currency and, you know, upon the result or, you know, what looks to be, you know, a Biden win, um, you know, that confidence back in markets, um, you know, supporting equities. I mean, we've seen the Dow up 60% since March, right? So, I mean, that's just, you know, with, with Aussie, which is typically a, a risk on top of, you know, prone currency, um, you know, particularly with global growth um, or, or, or the return to global growth after, you know, the, the headwinds of COVID in, you know, Q2 um, or what was deemed. Um, yeah, Aussie has been well supported since and yet yeah, it's playing through, um, you know, 73 and uh, and recently towards that 74 on that on that bounce back. It helps though, you know what I mean? Aussie, the Australian dollar is in a range between 74 and 70. So it's um, hasn't done anything too outside expectations. But, um, you know, we the future is unknown, as we always say in in, uh, in cross-currency markets. I was just going to, I was, I was going to ask actually that obviously there's a small amount of uncertainty, I guess, or depending upon which uh, Twitter feed you look at, uh, where where people think maybe he's still got a chance of getting in, Trump. But um... I, t- I tell you something, Matt. You set up a parlor account, and then you can have a look at what the viewpoints are on Trump. Oh, uh, all the crazies. <laughs> I mean, all the uh, uh, not crazies, rednecks. No. Um, so no, I was going to say, Trent. So it's once Biden's in, we're assuming he's going to get in. I'm pretty sure that's the case, uh, and and sworn in, and all that. Uns- you know, any uncertainty is left over is gone. Uh, are we looking at a uh, Aussie dollar? How long before we start to see Aussie with the high seventies and maybe nudging it at, at eighty cents again? Is that a likelihood for maybe later into twenty twenty one or into twenty twenty two? Do you think or or um, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, we, yeah, it's an interesting point and. and... Like without wanting to go down a rabbit hole here, the um, you know a couple of weeks ago the RBA came in with some quantitative easing, um, and you know that measure that they took there, that proactive measure was to curve the um, the the ten year bonds, and that is you know if you've listened to the previous podcast, here we go, go back, go back and listen to the other two that we've done. You know I've I've, I've rammed rammed home that interest rates, you know 
fundamentally drive the performance of the currency or, or at least the outlook for it. So, you know, when the RBA come in, um, you know, 100, 100 billion, I think it was um, in QE to kind of, you know, flatten that 10 year, um, you know, that's kind of a reading between the lines. That's a measure that they're wanting to keep the Aussie lower, but that was around 70 cents. Aussie now at 73, played through it like there was, there was you know, nothing done. We had an, uh, a rate cut, which, you know, wasn't directly um, intended for um, for the currency. However, it would have been a good byproduct for the RBA as well. You know, batted that off. So, you know, I was quite bullish, um, you know, in previous and uh, still stand by it on the interest rates. But, um, you know, it's, it's an unknown. Um, you know, this year has been a tough year. You know, we've seen a or pretty much a 20 cent range. Um, historically, the Aussie, Aussie US that is, has a 19% um, range. So this year we've seen 35%. So, you know, it has been a really you know, obviously we've had, um, you know, the black swan event with COVID, but it is a very extreme, uh, you know, move for anyone managing an Aussie, Aussie book, um, you know, and, and in the agri space, you know, those exporters and particularly now with the, you know, starting to, you know, uh, take some shape um, and playing through some of these measures that would typically, um, you know, smack it lower. So yeah, in answer to your question, I, reckon, I don't know, no, but you well, know, there, there are, there are forecasts up to above 80 in the next 12 months, but also with yeah, that, with that yeah. said, um, as low as 63.50. So, um, uh, yeah, that could be the range. Is, there always, there always is the ones that <laughs> go, you know, either side, but I'm just thinking, and you perfectly kind of, uh, explain what I was thinking too, that the RBA kind of, to a degree of thrown everything at it as a, from a monetary level, you know, without getting in and actually selling Aussie direct into the market, they've, they've mm. basically done everything other than that. Um, to try and encourage the Aussie lower and even a bit of kind of gentle jawboning of, um, you know, don't expect rate rises for the next five years or something like that to the tune was yeah. said, you know, um, and still the quantitative easing, the rate cut, the jawboning and the Aussies kind of resiliently, resiliently held up. Um, and that to me kind of suggests that there's some good fundamental strength there. And, and I'm kind of thinking that, you know, they, they've got limited, opportunity now the rba apart from entering the market directly and selling aussie um mm. you know what else can they do to try and encourage that aussie to stay low and, and it reminds me a little bit of when you might be too young for this one trent when uh when the bank of england took on george soros uh oh, yeah. you know and and lost <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm just wondering is the rba are way smaller than the bank of england i don't they want to take on obviously not taking on george soros but they're taking on the broader market view, which I think is for the Aussie to continue to climb. And I don't think they're going to be able to stop it. It doesn't seem to me that there's that many tools left in the toolbox mm. at this stage. And what, what, yeah. what, is it, what is the interest rate just now? 0.1? Quarter. Oh, 0.1, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And what's the UK? Zero? Or 0.1 as well? Like most of the globalized, like the large economies are close to zero. Mm. Yeah, that's and, right. Or if not, you know, and, Japan or, and Europe, I think, are, are or, negative. Or negative. You know, it's it's hard to think of what else we can do, and who knows? Yeah, hmm. no, I agree. But it's inter it's it's actually a really good segue that you just pull this into there, uh, Andrew, around your uh, your favourite currency, uh, the peso, your, the peso, the great <laughs> British peso. <laughs> <laughs> but look, look, I mean, look to your point. Like, what does the you know the Aussie sterling, and I guess the Aussie broadly speaking, but we will talk yeah. the pair here, right? The um, you know, in um. You know, when global growth is returning um, and and the outlook is positive, like it, you know, we typically see you know the Aussie um, Aussie perform really well against the sterling. So you know, there's your little forecast or outlook on the on the sterling uh, sterling mate. But I think that'll probably broadly be the tone for the Aussie dollar. Um, 
you know, uh, if, if if global growth, you know, uh, comes back as expected. Yeah. So I think it's, I think the big question there is that Brexit thing and what's going to happen there. And if you go back two podcasts ago, we had uh, an expert from the UK government on to talk about Brexit. Ah, you mean you mean another expert from the UK? Um, we, have, um, we have an expert from the UK on every podcast, don't we? Well, I'm actually Australian now. So, but in terms of uh, in terms of with with that sort of view of of our currency, like our currency is effectively like I'm just going back to when Matt mentioned the Baltic Dry Index. Baltic Dry Index is is an indicator of the cost of moving bulk freight, but it also has a secondary function as being an indicator of global growth to an extent. But then obviously a lot of our products that go into those vessels, a lot of globally, a lot of bulk products come from Australia, iron ore, grains, coal, whatever else. You know, I guess I'm just want to just reiterate your point or ask if, if I'm getting it right. Are you saying that Australia as an exporter of bulk products that are made into other things is a proxy for global growth? Um, I haven't thought of it that way. <laughs> but, but, but Matt, that would make sense, wouldn't it? We, we export things that get made into other things, and you can't make other things unless there's good global growth. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, that you, with, from a currency movement perspective, you do see, like Trent was saying, that if you wade up between issues around global growth when you're going through a crisis like now and, and then rebounds in global growth, the risk-on, risk-off factor probably tends to lead the Aussie movement more than... And the global growth scenario comes a bit after things settle down and then, and then people reassess and go, okay, now we're back to, you know, more normalised situation and we're going to be returning to global growth. Therefore, then the Aussie will, you know, will pick up. Let's build some skyscrapers. Mm. So in terms of Trent, you, you, you sort of, you're a highfalutin type. You deal with all of the, uh, the big corporates and whatnot and you're a white collar worker. You know, Matt and I are green collar workers. Yeah. What's of course? What 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 is the general sentiment from the people that you uh, you deal with in terms of like I know that you deal with ag, but you deal with other industries as well. But I'm just more curious. Like we talk to people in ag all the time, from broad spectrum, and everyone's pretty pretty goddamn positive. But I'm just wondering from you, more from your non-ag people, what is this general sentiment out there in, in terms of business confidence? You saying? Yeah, like confidence just yeah. going forward. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good one. I mean, it's it depends what industry you touch, of course. Like there, as you mentioned, like having um like with my lead in um you know the agri business stuff, it's you know it, it's kind of played through COVID quite well. Um, however, there's others such as you know education. Um, you know the you know putting my Western Union hat on now. You know we do um you know a lot of we have a lot of solutions i guess in market for you know international students for instance so you know the the outlook there for returning students to australia is 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 quite bleak and I, and i don't think not to get into the politics of it i don't think the support of international students in australia have been unable to return has been that attractive either so you know what does the you know do they start looking at, at other destinations and, and, and you know to to study abroad um or is you know that kind of brand australia now you know not as not as polished as it, as, as, it, as it once was, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, broadly speaking, though, I think that, you know, those businesses that have kind of got to where they are now, um, you know, 
indicatively, you know, in the, in the travel space, for instance, uh, you know, we'll see it through. And, and once, you know, that demand returns, yeah, for sure, you know, that, that, they, their businesses will return to kind of the growth modes that they were in. Um, so, look, that's that's basically it. Those that have got through to where they are now, um, but, you know, but, will but probably but hang around and stay in business. But, what about, um, and, what about and, sorry? What about domestic tourism? Uh, I, I know a bloke who's got an Airbnb down at Venus Bay. <laughs> Uh, do you want to give that a plug? Or, you know? Yeah, I'll plug it, mate. They're Evergreen Outlook. Um, you know, jump on Airbnb, uh, check us out. Booking's filling up fast. We're actually pretty much done for summer, but it's um, it's good down here. I'm looking at a paddock full of uh, Black Angus uh, by the looks of them, someone on the, on the mower, hopping around. It's absolutely dream dream country down here but yeah no you're right the the demand like even around the corner one of the biggest indicators of of um of, dom- of domestic travel is how many bins are left out on a monday night down here right so you know yeah. bin, everyone travels back to melbourne on a monday uh sorry on a uh on a sunday afternoon you know anyone that's tamed down in the country will say please put your bins out on the sunday night they come for collection on monday and they're still out on the curb on on monday monday evening and that is you know the the swell during the week down here is um is, is massive it's it's almost like christmas levels um you know a few of the guys at the general store and and, and whatever else are, are kind of indicating and yeah, those bins are always a good good marker of it so yeah it's going to be a big year i think for uh for domestic travel so we it's interesting enough like completely anecdotally but matt and i had a meeting today in the uh the western in mm. on, uh, in, in ballarat which has probably got a capacity mm. of what 250 mm. 300 people at least yeah it's it's a big, uh, it's a big cafe, isn't it? Yeah, it's cafe, yeah, cafe with uh, <laughs> with supporting the malt barley industry. Um, <laughs> but 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 we were the only two people there. Yeah, it was and, pretty uh, desolate. Yeah, you know, it was a, all... ni- a nice, a uh, nice what thirty degree odd day in nice uh... bloody roasting, man. Mm. So so you went yeah. to Ballarat. That was your problem. I'm only joking. So uh, so yeah, anything else to add, Trent? Well, probably. Probably it's a good time no. to wrap it up. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I guess, you know, one of the last things that we're seeing, it's kind of, um, you know, from a business standpoint, not, not FX related. Oh, you know, we talk about managing the volatility in the currency a lot and the ups and downs of it. But, you know, we're seeing that, you know, continued, you know, thought process around, you know, what's my kind of geopolitical risk and with everything, all the noise that's happening around that um, at the moment, you know, China, obviously front and center, we, we talk about it, you know, quite frequently. So, you know, a lot of clients now looking to diversify, um, you know, their, um, their clients, um, you know, open, expand into, into new markets, those that are going internationally. And, um, you know, uh, that, that is, you know, it's, it's not, not as much about uh, whilst currency is important. Um, it, it, it seems to be, you know what what happens in three months' time if I take out this contract, and you know that's where we're seeing a bit of um, bit of appetite in the kind of derivatives uh, exposures or management. Right. Well, thanks, Trent, for for taking the time out at that very short notice, um, and uh, for, so thanks for having the time to to have a chat with us about FX and, and the general business uh, confidence. Matt, we'll uh, we'll have some more guests on next week. Yeah, we got uh, a few. We, we got told we got told we didn't have you know we needed more guests. They don't want to listen to just us waffling on, Andrew. They want um, serious people like Trent. Yeah, people, um, people so, know yeah. people know what they're talking <laughs> about. At the t- at the top of the barrel, bot I add. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it exactly. Uh, but thanks for listening, everyone who's listened. Uh, have a good weekend. Stay safe if you're harvesting. 
uh, stay safe if you're not harvesting. Uh, enjoy yourself. Enjoy the weather. And uh, for those in Victoria, enjoy being out of lockdown. For those in uh, SA, well, tough luck for the next six days. And uh, No, you should be saying hey, we commiserate as Victorians and we know what you're going through and stay strong. I think that's probably a more friendly... Uh, nah, tough yeah, luck. Nah. Catch us on the other side. Bye-bye. <laughs> see you when you've got, you got nothing on. <laughs>